Hi, I'm Dorothy Burton, your host for Governing God's Way, connecting the timeless principles of Scripture to the timely issues of our day for those who serve, lead, and govern. King Solomon, the wisest leader to have ever lived, left us with this truth. There is nothing new under the sun, and what has been will be. What was true for him and those who served, led, and governed in his day is just as true for those who serve, lead, and govern today. Timeless principles to help in times like these. Today, I'm going to talk about outranked and what that means for you as a leader and why humility, not hubris, is one of the most key and important characteristics of leadership in the eyes of God. In the eyes of people, it's the other way around. Hubris, not humility, is the way to go. And in fact, the way of far too many in leadership today. Someone asked me, said, Dorothy, why do you continue to teach this stuff? When it's obvious most people in public office are going to, you know, do what they want to do anyway, according to their political party their political bent, even Christians, and, and whatever it takes to get that vote or that plum appointment or, or stay in the good graces of party bosses and ruling cliques at work. Why you do this? I'll tell you why. Because I am obligated to do this. We all are. Jesus tells us in Matthew 5.14, you, meaning we as his followers, are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And he goes on in verse 16 to say, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify or give praise to your Father who is in heaven. As a leader, your light should shine so brightly in your lane, in people's darkness, that they shout hallelujah when they see you coming. So why do I do this? Why do we do this in the difficult area of politics and government? Because this is our light. What's your light? If in leadership, your words, your deeds, and your actions, which translates into your integrity, your light as a leader. So I ask you, how brightly does your integrity shine in the lane of leadership God has placed you? So why do this? Because we are the light in the increasingly dark world of politics, public service, and government. We are the light in that world. And we know that iron sharpens iron and that one burning log keeps the flame of an adjacent burning log burning brightly. So our lane as an organization and my lane as the leader is to be that burning log, which increases the flame of other burning logs in the same world. And together, we will eventually create one heck of a bonfire for the kingdom in this arena. Back to the topic. Humility doesn't mean weak, but rather grace under pressure and wisdom in knowing, but by the grace of God, we are who we are. Hubris is a dangerous thing, not only causing embarrassing downfalls, but will make a fool out of you. Case in point. In his book, Presidential Antidotes, Paul F. Baller Jr. tells the story of a young West Point graduate's encounter with then Major General Zachary Taylor. Major General Taylor 
was a well-known, highly regarded war hero. He was so well-respected, in fact, that both the Democratic and the Whig parties recruited him to run as their candidate for president. He would eventually run as the Whig party candidate. But on this particular evening, Major General Taylor was at a tavern having a beer with some of the officers on his staff. Forty years in the Army, Major General Taylor had commanded troops in the, in the War of 1812, the Black Hawk War, the Second of the Seminole Wars, and near and dear to this native Texan's heart, he became a national hero in leading victories against Mexico in the Mexican-American War after the U.S. annexation of Tejas, or Texas. Ulysses S. Grant even served under him. In his eulogy to Dolly Madison, General Taylor referred to her as First Lady. The first time this phrase was used in reference to a president's wife, so he is even credited with having coined that phrase. This national treasure war hero was at this tavern having a beer with some of the officers, and the general was well known for not being well, um, well kept. Well kept. He he wasn't <laughs> he wasn't particularly fussy about his clothes. So this young man on his way to report for duty entered the tavern and approached the men's table, fresh from West Point. He wore a linen duster to protect his uniform. Taylor was wearing an old overcoat and a straw hat. Well, old man, said the young man as he sat down, how are the Indians now? I believe, sir, Taylor replied, that they are giving considerable trouble. They are, are they? said the young man. We will have to see to that. I am an army officer, and I am on my way to take a hand. Have a glass of beer with me, old codger, you and your neighbors. <laughs> General Taylor and his officers rose, toasted the young man, and then boarded the stagecoach, leaving him alone in the tavern. A day or so later, when the young West Pointer reported for inspection, he faced the quote-unquote old codger in his colonel's uniform. Horrified, he stumbled through the ordeal and afterward asked some of the officers what he should do to make amends. They told him, oh, it's Colonel Taylor. He, he'll just forget it. He won't hold a grudge. But the young man didn't let the matter drop, so he went to Colonel Taylor's tent to apologize. My young friend, said General Taylor calmly, let me give you a little piece of advice which may be of advantage to you. Never judge a stranger by his clothes. Jesus tells us in Luke 14, 11, that everyone, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. A lot of us, however, had this thing backwards. The higher we are, the greater we feel people should bow to us. Oh, we wouldn't say that. Just like the young soldier in the illustration who felt because he had a rank and was a West Point graduate, 
He could talk down to the, quote, old codger and the other men, not realizing who they were. Notoriety, rank, titles, and success can be as dangerous as rattlesnakes if we don't know how to handle them. If mishandled, they can carry a vicious and poisonous bite. Because of our title, we can get so used to people standing in awe of us that we forego standing in awe of the God who, by his grace, allowed us the title. As the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, he wrote, what do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? Let me tell you what the adversary does when we forget this. He makes us believe we are all that when all we are are dependent on the next move of God. It is when you and I are at our peak that we are at our weakest, but it feels just the opposite. We are led to believe that we are at our strongest and best, but whether it is at the peak of our career or the peak of whatever we want to fill in the blank, almost every time Jesus performed a miracle, he went off by himself to pray. Why? Because he understood people. And if you and I are going to lead well, we'd better understand people too. People nearly always, say always, people nearly always act in their own self-interest, oftentimes faking loyalty friendship, and admiration. People admire you. They admire what you can do for them. Jesus knew that people were drawn to what he could do for them, and they would try to make him their king based not on his deity, which many of them, <laughs> which many of them doubted, but because of the miracles that he performed. Make no mistake. He knew he was king. He well knew he was king of kings and lord of lords, just not the king they would have tried to make him into for their own comfort and convenience. The same way people would try to make you fit into their mold for their selfish motives. And do you know people <laughs> would do that to you if you are not aware and you fall into this trap? They'll try to pump you up into what? They want you to be, and the minute you make them mad, go against the grain, do something they disapprove, they will deflate you like an old balloon. This is why the Apostle Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians 12. He said, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. And in today's toxic political environment, I would even add, or get pushed or primaried out. Because make no mistake, if you allow people... <laughs> To make you, people will break you. People will make you manager today and give you a pink slip tomorrow. People can make you a, a, a superstar with viral social media posts today, and tomorrow you're the villain of the internet. Jesus understood people. And if you're going to lead well, you had better understand people too. He wouldn't even let them call him good. There is none good but the Father, he would say. People, people give you all kinds of compliments. People are, ooh, 
you're so good, or ooh, you're so smart, or ooh, you're so this, and ooh, you're so that. And we just lap that stuff up, not knowing the rattlesnake is about to strike. Catherine of Genoa once wrote, I clearly recognize that all good is in God alone, and that in me, without divine grace, there is nothing but deficiency. The one sole thing, she said, in myself, in which I glory, is that I see in myself nothing in which I can glory. So be careful. One of the keys to success is paying little attention to criticism and even less to compliments. I'm going to say that one again. One of the keys to success is paying little attention to criticism and even less to compliments. Let them go in one ear and out the other. Because some of the same people who were wanting to make Jesus their king one day, when he didn't give in to them, they were hollering, crucify him the next. Get this down in your innermost part. It's not you that people praise and want to raise. It's what they perceive you can do for them. It's not you. It is your success and what they think your success means to them. Oftentimes, it is after our greatest successes that we mistakenly (laughs) begin believing our own press and relying on our own strengths, our influence, and our bank account, and our associations, you know, who we know, who know us. And this is when the rattlesnake bites. In his book, The Prayer of Jabez, Bruce Wilkinson says, he writes, Satan approached the human race at his peak of promise and performance and crushed it with one friendly conversation. The question begs then, who are you listening to? Whose approval are you seeking? Let people crown you neither queen nor king and take the title honorable with a grain of salt because it doesn't take much for it to become dishonorable. No matter how popular you become, how smart you are, how good looking you are, how many and what degrees you have, how many races you've won, how high you rank on the political scale or what your title happens to be, remember the story of the young officer. There will always be, repeat after me, there will always, say always, there will always be someone who outranks you. And remember Jesus' words to us, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And this is governing God's way. Thank you for listening. Governing God's way is the practical application of kingdom principles to inspire transformative change within ourselves and within our spheres of influence is how Jesus did it, is how we strive to do it. Because good governance begins with self-governance because God always begins from within. Grab a copy of my book from Amazon.com, Why We Fall, The Power of Self-Awareness. The book every leader and aspiring leader should read. 
to help you avoid sabotaging your own success. To learn more about Sips, Inc. and how you can support our work, please visit our website at cipsinc.org.